0: Welcome to the Desert Life Church Podcast. We're so excited you've tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you are listening, we hope you're inspired by this message. Hello, welcome. How's everyone doing tonight? Awesome. It's good to see you. You know, when Pastor Mez said, who's keen, who's excited to be in the house of God, I tell you, I am excited. I'm so keen and excited to be sharing the Word tonight. Before we start, though, I do want to honor all of the fathers and, as Pastor Mez said, all of the men in the house tonight. So if you are a man above the age of 18, if you're a father or if you're a man above the age of 18, would you please stand to your feet? It's easy criteria, guys. If you're over the age of 18 and you are a father, would you stand to your feet? We just want to say at Desert Life Church, on behalf of the staff, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your commitment to serve our community, to serve our church, uh, always pursuing God and always with a call of God on your life. You guys are awesome. That's all the dads. Happy Father's Day! Uh, it's super awesome, super privilege, and uh, you guys are really cool. Let's everyone that's seated. Let's give these guys a big round of applause. Thank you so much. You may be seated. If we haven't met before, my name is Sam. And alongside my wife, Haley, we are the youth pastors here at the church. And I'm going to be sharing tonight on the heart of the king. I'm going to be sharing tonight on the heart of the king. And we're going to get straight into it. Jesus is a cool guy. And Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, when he walked and talked around uh, Israel in the day, he did a lot of awesome things. He was a part of so many things He talked to so many people. He influenced so many different people. On two occasions, Jesus fed thousands of people. You may not know this, but Jesus actually fed thousands of people twice. He fed the 5,000, which we hear about the two loaves and five fishes. But on another occasion, he feeds 4,000 people. And I just think that's really cool (laughs) that he multiplied the food and fed the thousands of people. On one occasion, Jesus was in his home and the Bible says that it was full. There was no room left inside the house and so people were gathering outside the door and these guys proceed to jump on top of Jesus's roof, vandalize his home, cut a hole in the roof and drop a guy down in front of Jesus who needed healing. Jesus is walking through towns, from town to town, as he's preaching, as he's sharing in the synagogues, he's talking to people, and on one occasion, a woman touches him, and she's healed of whatever is going on in her life. Another occasion, a guy's up in a tree, and his life gets transformed by Jesus. And I'm telling you this because Jesus influenced so many different people in his earthly ministry, And there's one occasion, which is perhaps the most famous occasion, in which Jesus speaks to people. He shares a message. And it's become one of the cornerstone of the faith, really. Um, The discipleship creeds, if you will, in all of Christian scripture. And it's the Sermon on the Mount. Has anyone heard of it? Jesus is sharing with people. And he's talking about a whole range of different things. He's sharing on things that the people, the Jewish people, did understand because he's taking Old Testament scripture and he's bringing it to these people and sharing it with them. And the Jewish people were quite educated people. They understood uh, the different elements about the Jewish faith and the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus is beginning to share things to them, scriptures that they understood. I was reading this week, I didn't know this, but other than the Psalms and the Proverbs... The most quoted book in the entire Bible by Jesus is the book of Leviticus. Did anybody know that? Most quote, the most quoted Bible, most quoted book in the Bible. Oh my goodness. The most quoted book that Jesus quoted is the book of Leviticus, other than the Psalms and the Proverbs. And so Jesus is talking to these people in the Sermon on the Mount. He's sharing with them around things that they understood because they understood what they believed in and they understood what the law was. The law was very important to them. And he's saying things like, do not worry. Who of you worrying can add an hour to your life? He's saying things like, you are the salt and the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. He's saying things like, treat others the way you want to be treated. The golden rule. Jesus is sharing these principles that are found in the Old Testament law, in the Old Testament scriptures with the Jewish people. Now I'm doing this thing at the moment in the YouVersion Bible app. Who has the YouVersion Bible app? It's like the most popular Bible app in the world. They have plans on there, which is super awesome. Plans to do with everything. Discipleship. Uh, If you're struggling with certain things, there's plans for it. There's leadership plans. There's Plans when you're dealing with pain. There's all different kinds of plans. And a friend of mine got me on this plan called the 30-Day Shred. And what the 30-Day Shred, I can tell you, it's not a fitness plan. I know you know this by looking at me. It's not a fitness plan. But the 30-Day Shred is a biblical literacy fitness plan. And what it is is it's actually, and you call me crazy, it's 30 days reading through the entire Bible. So you read through the Bible in 30 days. I can already tell you, I'm not up to date. I keep going back and pressing that catch-up button. Thank God for that catch-up button. Um, but it's a 30-day, read the Bible in 30 days plan. Now, the purpose of the plan is not to sit down, open up the scripture, and to marinate on different verses. The purpose of the plan is not to... Although we should seek a revelation from God, it's not to sit there and seek a revelation from God or seek a word from God after reading every verse. The plain and simple point of the plan is to get God's word inside of you. It's to read God's word every single day. And although I'm behind, I'm gonna keep going with it because I wanna get God's word inside of me so much that when I finish the 30-day plan, I'll start it again. And then once I finish it, then I'll start it again. And then I'll do it a number of times. And the point of the plan, they explain it at the beginning of the plan. You do it a number of times so that then, once you've read through it two or three times, you then go for like the one-year Bible plan. And that's when God really speaks in his word to you. As you fill yourself up with his word, as you become familiar with what each of the chapters are talking about, as you become familiar with the different contexts and, and all of the different stories, you then can seek further revelation when you slowly go through and marinate on God's word. I'm not saying we shouldn't marinate on God's word. I'm not even saying that you should do this plan. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. And the reason I'm telling you this is because although I've read through the Old Testament books, uh, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it definitely took me a super long time to get through those books. But as I was reading through these books, I was just reminded about how much of these words I saw Jesus say in the New Testament. Things like love your neighbor. He says that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says that. He says all of these different things. And it's amazing to see how much Jesus actually does quote the Old Testament. And Jesus is now sharing in this Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And he's sharing this Sermon on the Mount talking about all of the different laws that the people new. If you go through it, you read. Jesus says, you have heard it said this, but I say this. You have heard it say this, but I say this. He doesn't take away from the law. He still says that what you've heard said is true, but there's probably an element that you're neglecting to see in this word. Jesus says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is speaking to the heart. You've heard it said, do not murder. But Jesus says, but even him who hates his brother or him who hates his neighbor has committed murder. Jesus is speaking to the heart. Jesus even says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But even a person who looks upon another person and lusts after that person has committed adultery in their heart. Jesus is speaking to the heart. The Jewish people, the people who were listening to Jesus, neglected to understand, which is why Jesus then unpacks it to say that there's more to this law, there's more to the word of God than meets the eye. You have to look at the heart. Jesus is identifying areas in the Sermon on the Mount and relating them back to the law and relating them back to the heart so that they can understand that there's more than meets the eye. I'm watching, I'm currently in the middle of watching this show on Netflix. Who here likes to watch a bit of Netflix from time to time? I like participation. I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and so the youth like jump and scream and stuff in the youth. So if I say, who here watches Netflix? If you watch Netflix, raise your hand up in the air like you just don't care. Awesome. I'm watching this show on Netflix at the moment called Last Chance You, Has anyone heard of it? Yeah? Okay, so some of you might not appreciate it because you're Australian, but I want you to stay with me, okay? Last Chance U is a documentary about a college football, uh, National Football League, so it's gridiron, you Australians call it, a college football team. It's a documentary about the East Mississippi Community College and it's a documentation of the team, their performance, their journey, and what they're all about. And essentially what it's about, I recommend watching it. There is a little bit of language, so I'm sorry if that offends you. Don't watch it if that offends you. But this is a it's a really awesome documentary because what it does is it is the college is not a well-known college. It sits in a town of about three or four thousand people. So it's small. But they have a university, a community college that have, that have probably 2,000 students, which makes up most of the population of the town. But these students who play on this football team are students that have been dropped by other colleges, other universities, much higher. Um, the ones that go to pro league, the ones that the NFL draft out of, much higher level competition. You have this in your sports here, too. But these guys who are playing on this NFL team, on this college team, basically most of them were at a better school, but due to some unforeseen circumstances or or some disciplinary circumstances, they're no longer allowed to play at that school, so they've been brought to East Mississippi Community College. Some of the guys on there were in, had been released from their school because they got arrested on domestic violence charges. Some of them had been involved in drugs, an alcohol, a binge drinking. Some of them had been involved in uh, other serious issues. Some had been arrested for them. Some had just been disciplined or expelled from the school because it's against the school policy. Now, I'm not saying that, that any of that stuff's okay. And the school's not even saying that, and the documentary's not saying that. The school seeks to rehabilitate those, those young men back into the community college, back into the education sphere, and then back into the sport that they love. And it's called Last Chance You because it really is their last chance. There's only so much that, you, there's only so many times you can go to college, there's only so many opportunities you have in professional sports. There are people in the room who have had opportunities in professional sports. And it's called Last Chance You. And I just want to stop and say, I'm really grateful that God does not have a Last Chance You posture towards us. Some of these people, have been involved in domestic violence or have been involved with drugs and alcohol and really are on their their last limbs, they don't have a second chance. It's, It's jail or it's community college for them. And so this college takes them on, and it's a documentation of what the players go through, their games, their practices, their education, and everything. And the really cool thing about Last Chance U is that They come together at the end of every single game, at the end of every single practice, when they sit inside the theater and watch themselves play. That's practice as well. They're trying to correct the mistakes that they made the last game so they can improve. In all of their athletic-related times together, when they come together for practices or games, at the end, they all come together like a community, like a family, and they meet and the coach talks to them. And... At the end of the meeting, when the coach is about to dismiss them, the coach says, touch somebody next to you. And they put their hands on their brother next to them. And then the coach looks to the captain of the team and says, lead your team. And the captain says these words, found in the Sermon on the Mount, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he goes through and recites the Lord's Prayer together as a team. The whole team comes together. They don't have a choice they come together and they recite the Lord's Prayer. And I think that is super, super awesome. The Lord's Prayer is an amazing prayer. It's an amazing piece of scripture. It helps us structure our prayers. It helps show us things about God's heart, things that he cares about. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is sharing about all of these different things. He's talking about, loving your neighbor. He's talking about, you shall not commit murder. And this is what murder means. He's identifying all these different heart issues. And then he stops in the middle of his message and changes trajectory to begin to talk about prayer. And he says, I've noticed that some of you are praying a certain way. I've noticed that There's different ways that people are praying in this community, in this Jewish community. Some of you are getting up and saying vain repetitions, repeating things over and over again. There's no heart in that. It's all just reading it off a piece of paper or memorizing it. There's no heart in that. When I was in school, we used to do this prayer where we do the, uh, we will, we will rock you. (laughs) Jesus is a cool dude. Does anybody know what I, we used to do one of those prayers. We always did it before we ate food. And um, I can tell you my heart was not in that prayer. And I did not want to participate in that whatsoever. But Jesus says there's lots of different ways that people are praying. Some of you are praying repetitively. There's no heart in it. It doesn't mean anything. Some of you are getting up on street corners and in the synagogues, in the churches. You're standing up in places where people can see you. And then you're praying these elaborate, incredible prayers that excite people around you and make them think, Wow. He can pray. Look at that guy. He can pray. He's, and really, what they're doing is they're showing off. There's no heart in the prayer. And Jesus says, I'm noticing there's a few different ways you can pray, and so I'm going to set the record straight, and I'm going to introduce heart to prayer. And Jesus starts by saying these words, Our Father in heaven. Jesus is conveying in telling us that we should not pray a certain way. In doing that, he's conveying that prayer is powerful. Prayer shifts trajectories. Prayer prayer brings freedom. Prayer causes us to belong to God. And prayer causes us or sometimes forces us to be vulnerable with God. Jesus is saying, get your heart into prayer. And he begins to introduce the heart behind prayer. And the effect that it has in our relationship with God. And Jesus starts by saying these words, our father. I want to read a study done by fatherly.com. Sort of the general comments in a study done by fatherly.com. Talking about the influence that fathers have on their children. Being Father's Day, it's appropriate. There's a very short uh, insert in this article that I want to read. It says this, the impact of fatherhood is not subjective, but it's an objective and documented phenomenon. Although motherhood has dominated studies of parenting in the, last, in the past, researchers are learning more about how to be a good father and why that matters every day. So far, they know that kids who grow up with a present, engaged dad are less likely to drop out of school or wind up in jail compared to children with absent fathers or children that have no father figures whatsoever. When kids have close relationships with their fathers, they're less less likely to have sex at a young age. They tend to avoid other high-risk behaviors like experimenting with drugs and binge drinking. They're more likely to have high-paying jobs. I found that interesting. They're more likely to have stable relationships when they grow up. They also tend to have higher IQ scores by the age of three. Who's testing three-year-olds IQs? And endure fewer psychological problems throughout their lives when fatherhood is taken seriously. And Jesus says, our father in heaven. Jesus had an earthly father too. He had two dads. And we do too, really. But Jesus had a heavenly father who he clearly identifies so many times throughout scripture. But he also had Joseph, who may not have been his biological dad, but still Joseph would have overseen the home alongside Mary, would have parented the children, would have looked after Jesus at a young age. They were were frightened because Jesus ran off to the church and hung out in the church and they couldn't find him, so they went searching for him. Joseph was Jesus' earthly dad. And I'm sure Jesus was disappointed by Joseph every once in a while. Joseph was just like you and me, not perfect. Jesus was perfect. That would have been a really hard relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus was perfect. And Jesus encountered the same struggles that we do. He felt pain. He felt suffering. He would have felt disappointment. He was beaten, we know. And so Jesus Jesus teaches us how we should pray This comes from a place of understanding and a place of experience. It comes from a place of empathy when Jesus says, Our Father in heaven. Jesus includes this understanding in the model prayer for all Christians to model with an intimate connection with the Father and what that looks like. Jesus is pointing to our Father in heaven. Just breaking that down, I'm not going to go through the whole Lord's Prayer. We're just going to focus on those few words, our Father in heaven. We're in a series right now as a youth group. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. And God really spoke to me as I begin to prepare for this series and what we were really going to focus on when it came to the Lord's Prayer. And God really spoke to me in just the first couple of verses when we read, in this manner you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father defines relationship. And we know God's our Father. We hear it all the time. When we pray, Father God. We talk about God, our Father. We talked about him today a number of times on Father's Day, recognizing that today is a painful day for some people. And we often say that whatever your relationship looks like with your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who loves you and who looks after you and who cares for you. And that's true. Jesus is saying our Father defines relationship. Our Father means that He is the one that we can be the most intimately connected to over all others. He cares for us. He looks after our needs. He wants what's best for us. He loves us so much. And then He says, in heaven. And in heaven... God spoke to me and said, In heaven defines location. And I don't even want to say location. I'd rather say position. Our Father in heaven, and in heaven is his position. Yes, he lives in heaven, but he's positioned in heaven above every single other thing on this earth, above every principality and power, above everything that tries to come against you and me. He's our Father in heaven. A couple of months ago now, my family, Haley and Judah and me, went on a trip to the USA, the US of A, with my dad and the rest of my family. And we traveled right around the United States. Had an awesome time. Thanks for asking. And it was really, really cool. It had been a long time since we'd been back to the States. And I had been to, we went to a place that I don't know if I've ever been there before. I may have when I was little, but I definitely didn't remember it. We went to Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., they have the coolest American history stuff that there is. The Abraham Lincoln Monument to see good old Honest Abe sitting on the chair. From all those movies, I finally get to see it in, in person, and he's big. He's way bigger than he is in the movies to see the Washington Monument, to see the Capitol Building, to go through the Smithsonian Museum, see all the different things. I love American history above all other, above all the other sort of modern histories. I love American history. And there's one place in particular that I was dying to go. Can you guess where it is? No. The White House. I wanted to go to see Donald Trump's crib. Now I want to say... Regardless of your political opinions and stuff, I don't want to get into any of that. Donald Trump's the president of the United States and he lives in the White House. And I was really, really keen to go to the White House and do a White House tour. And I jumped online uh, back in June before our trip to try and see if we could get tickets so that our family could go in to the White House and uh, hopefully meet Mr. Trump. But um, anyways, but we jumped online and it turns out that at some time ago, they did away with foreign nationals uh, going into the White House for whatever reason. I think it was shortly before we went. Uh, we, were, we were heading to the States. They did away with it for whatever reason. And so Haley and Judah couldn't go in the White House. And of course, I wasn't gonna go without them. And um, also, also, it said I was supposed to contact my local member in the USA, and I had no idea what that meant. And I wasn't, I wasn't willing to put in the effort to try and work it out. So we decided not to go, but I hadn't lost hope. I decided to go on Google, type in whitehouse.com, and go to whitehouse.com, and there's a really cool button there called Email President Trump. And so I thought, oh, I'm gonna jump on there, and I'm gonna email Mr. Trump and see if I can beg him to get into the White House with my family. And so I jumped on, this is a true story. I'm not joking with you right now. This is 100% true. This will show you how pathetic I am. (laughs) I jumped online, went to whitehouse.com, clicked on the email Mr. Trump button, filled out my details, and then I left a message, something along the lines of, I live in Australia, my wife and son are Australian, but I'm American, please let us in the White House, Um, thank you, and something along those lines, it was much more persuasive than that, and um, I had no hope that if I sent this off nothing uh, that you know something would come of it I, I thought nothing's gonna happen at best some low-level administration person will see it and just put it in the in the deleted box or put, it'll go straight to spam or something anyways and so I send it off and go away and you would not believe what happened you would not believe what happened nothing happened I did not get a reply how rude how inconsiderate I'm a patriotic person, both to Australia and America. I think, I think that's allowed. Nothing happened. No reply. President Donald Trump, again, regardless of your political views and opinions, is the leader of the free world. He's, uh, he has influence all over the place with business, with the economy. In fact, his influence really dictates the world's economy because the American dollar dictates quite a few things. And so he's such an influential and powerful man, regardless of how you feel about him. His position is up here. My position's down here. His position's up here. But there's no relationship. And he's not going to answer me. He's not going to reply to me. He's not going to have anything to do with me. But my Father in heaven, his position is I'm going to need a couple people to lift me up and show his positions up there. And he has a relationship with me. And he has a relationship with us who have chosen to follow him. And he loves each and every one of us and will do so much for us. Unfortunately, he didn't let me in the White House, but... He exists in the position as the king of the whole universe. Can I get the keys up on stage, please? He exists in the position as king of the whole universe, dictating everything. The Bible says the rocks will cry out if we don't. I haven't heard any rocks crying out for me. I haven't heard any rocks crying out for you guys. But the rocks will cry out to him. And we can have relationship with him. Jesus wants us to understand in this Lord's Prayer, by saying our Father in heaven, that we have an opportunity to be connected to a God who wants us to become his child, to God who wants to be our Father, and to a God who is in the highest place in all of the universe who dictates all things. Matthew chapter seven, it's gonna be up on the screens in the NIV, says these really awesome words. And Jesus says these words just a short while after he finishes talking about the Lord's prayer. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, Will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who asks him? Jesus appeals to the nature of fatherhood in the Lord's Prayer and points us the direction that we need to go giving us so much confidence to say that no matter what your life looks like now, you have a Father who is in heaven. You have a Father who wants to be deeply and intimately connected to you. A Father that you can have all access to. And He's in heaven. He's the most powerful, most influential person to ever exist. Pastor Ben shared in the morning service around the prodigal son and around the story of the son who leaves his home, takes his inheritance, and goes away and spends it up partying. And it brings him down to such a low place that we read in Scripture that when he was so poor and he had no money left, he was tending to pigs in a pig farm. And he didn't have any money or he didn't even have any food. He looked at the food that the pigs were eating and thought, wow, that looks good. And that is low. I love food, but I'm not gonna go there. And in that moment, as the prodigal son's sitting inside the pig pen, tending to the pigs, looking at the food, the prodigal son realizes that there's only one way to go. There's a last chance me situation. God doesn't look at us and say, last chance you. But at some stage in our life, we have to make a decision to follow him. And the son sitting in the pig pen, who has probably tried to look at other options. Pastor Ben pointed out in the morning service that the father and the the older son were well within their rights to go out and beat up the younger son for what he had done. And so the younger son sitting in the pig pen knows this I would be looking at all the other options knowing that I didn't want to get beaten within an inch of my life and the son realized there is no other option and Jesus says there's no other option but to go to your father who is in heaven would you stand with me please I'm going to talk to three groups of people tonight Tonight, your father in heaven has been whispering to you, has been speaking to you, as we've been worshiping him, as we've been talking about him. There are people here tonight, maybe you have never been in that relationship with your father in heaven. Maybe you've never known your father in heaven, or you've known what that looks like. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is, and maybe you're not sure about this Christian stuff. And I want to say tonight that you can be sure and you can know that you're connected to your Father in heaven. No matter what your earthly relationship looks like with your Father, no matter what your circumstances are, God doesn't have a last chance you policy, but he's a God of fifth and sixth and quadrillion chances. He goes on and on and on. And tonight, there may be people in this room who feel like that they're on their quadrillionth chance. And your Father in Heaven still wants to connect with you, still wants to know you, still wants to call you His child. And so tonight across this room, if we bow our heads, close our eyes, for the privacy of people tonight that God may be speaking to in this place, people who haven't made this decision, If that's you and you're not sure where you stand with God and you want to make things right or you want to be sure that you know where you stand with God, you don't have to do anything right now. You don't have to change the way you look or change the way you act. You just need to respond to your Father who is in heaven. And right across this room, I'm the only person looking. I want to provide you an opportunity to make that decision tonight to know that you are connected to your Father and that you are a child of God. And so right across this room, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask that you just raise a hand just to signal to me that you are making this decision. You may once have called yourself a Christian and maybe you've walked away for whatever reason or maybe you've never, ever known God and you wanna make that decision for the first time tonight. Whatever it may be, I wanna provide you the opportunity right now To respond to the Father of heaven, to connect your heart with His. And so, right across this room, if that's you, no one else is looking around, it's just me. I just want you to raise one hand, look at me, and then put it down. I'm looking right across this room. If there's any hands, I see that hand, that's awesome. Is there anyone else? Father, I thank you for each person that's raised their hand here tonight. Father, we ask tonight that you would help us connect deeper with you than ever before. Father, that we would share in your love, that we could call you our Father who sits in the highest place in the universe over every single situation, over every single battle. You sit there and you are in control. I ask, Father, for each person that raised their hand tonight that you would enter into them, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would fill them with their love and that they would know that they are a child that is yours and that you are their father. In Jesus' name. The next group of people I want to speak to tonight are those who maybe find Father's Day a painful day. The truth is, is that there are an infinite amount of combinations in our reality around the relationship or lack of relationship that we have with our fathers. And we know that no father is perfect. We try. We try to serve God and serve our families, but we fall. And Father's Day may be a painful day for you. Maybe your father's not been present for some time or maybe you want to be a father tonight. Not tonight, but you want to be a father. Maybe you just need a fresh touch from God for him to know that he is your father. And I don't know every person's situation here and every person's relationship with their father. But I do know that God wants to meet with those who need their heavenly father tonight. And So all I'm going to do in just a minute, I'm going to speak to another group of people. But in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat and come down the front. we're going to stand and we're going to worship God and there are going to be a couple people that will pray for you if you'd like to be prayed for people that will stand with you and agree with you on whatever you're seeking from God but I don't know what your relationship looks like with your earthly father maybe you're struggling to forgive your father maybe you're struggling because you want to be a better father Maybe you're struggling with the relationship that you have with your kids or your grandkids. I don't know what it is. But in just a moment, I'm going to ask just to step forward if that's you. And we'll worship God and we'll pray. But I want to talk to one more group of people tonight. And that's people who want to reconnect their hearts to the Father of Heaven. We talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is highlighting all these different areas that people are disconnected from. It's all about the physical, it's all about the rule following, it's not about the heart. And Jesus keeps going back to the heart, saying, No, it's what's about it's what's in your heart that matters. No, it's what's in your heart that matters. It's all about the heart. And so if you're here tonight and you want to reconnect your heart to the Father, you want to be filled with his love. And with his presence and with his power, you can do that tonight. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you and the other group to step forward. We're going to worship God. We're going to seek him to fill us up and reconnect our hearts to him. So if that's you, I want to invite you right now to step out of your seat and come forward. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be ashamed about. But we need to continue to look at ourselves daily and see if we need to reconnect with the Father. So if that's you, the band's going to play. The band's going to sing. We're going to worship God. And I want to encourage you to come and step out the front as we seek to reconnect with the Father. Thank you for joining us in the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.